if you need them. And now, Pastor Ryan Black. Thank you, Christian. That was a nice warm welcome. And yes, if you don't know, my name is Ryan and I'm the senior leader here. So as of quite recently, so yeah, we've yeah, just so blessed to be part of this community. We love it. Absolutely. So today um, we're putting a pause on our walk through Isaiah 61. We've been doing that yeah, pretty solidly over the last four weeks and we will continue to touch on that uh, as we go throughout the the year. Uh, as I've mentioned, that's, I, I feel very strongly a, a vision that the Lord has for this church, for this time. So, but today we are joining with the global church in celebrating what today actually is. And Christian's already talked about it, but it is Palm Sunday. Did you know that? Yeah. And Palm Sunday actually is about with Jesus presenting himself as king as he rode on a donkey into Jerusalem. So this is the start of what is considered the church's most holy of weeks. All right, some people might think that that's Christmas, but this is actually the holy, the holiest week of on the church calendar. So, and it began in Jerusalem with Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey, and of course, within a few days, he was he had his last supper, which Christian mentioned, and then he was crucified, and then he was resurrected. So this is Holy Week. It's sometimes called Passion Week. As well, so this is you know the the week where it all happens in the life of a Christian. So it's interesting that this particular event of Jesus entering into Jerusalem on a donkey is the time that he presented himself as king. And if you flick through the Gospels, you'll see that quite often he would say things like, "Well, my time has not yet come." Or you'll say, or you'll heal someone. So, well, don't don't tell anyone about that. Like, it, but this particular time, he's like, I'm the king. Like, this is the moment that he presented himself as king. And this particular event also is in all four of the gospels. So, if you if you wanted to, you know, look through that, or you, you can even Google it, and it will you know it will give you the exact references for each each gospel passage. Today we're going to read out of Matthew, uh, Matthew 21. Do we have some slides there, Neil? Yep. The, I don't have the thing because I forgot to give it to you, but um, I don't have very many slides, only about five or six. So if not, yep, that's it. So the very next one. Thank you, Neil. This is Matthew 21, verses 1 to eventually to 11. So I know that's not what's on the screen just yet. So let's just read through this together. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, that may not be the correct pronunciation, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with a colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he'll send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, 
gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. There's a lot going on here. There's quite a lot happening. There's you know, a deeply symbolic stuff going on here with Jesus doing this event, this parade. And you know, I, I don't know, I've seen stuff even as I was a kid of, you know, reenactments of this kind of thing, like children's plays and that sort of thing. Maybe some of you have seen some things similar. But I'd like to look at four things in particular that are going on here. Like even as I was reading it then, I'm like, well, you know, that's, it's incredible that the Lord needs something. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, God in the flesh, needed something? And he was actually asking his disciples to, to say, well, if anyone asks, say that the Lord needs them. There's something else there as well. The, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? So the crowd was asking the crowd, who is this? And the crowd replied, well, this is Jesus. So it would have been such an event to see. But there's four things I'd like to look at in particular as we open this up. And the first thing is that this is the fulfillment of prophecy. And so we have a verse in the book of Zechariah towards the end of the Old Testament that Matthew actually quotes. He's one of a couple of the Gospels that quote this particular verse. So a fulfillment of prophecy. And I'd like to read that out. Zechariah 9 verse 9 it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly or humble, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Just want to speak into that for a little second. This was very intentional fulfilling of prophecy. If you ever find yourself talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus and, you know, this, the fulfillment of so many prophecies is an amazing testament to who Jesus actually is. There are over 300 predictions in the Old Testament that Jesus actually fulfilled. And so they, they, they speak to this coming of this, you know, this, this Messiah. And so... I know when I've had the experience of talking about this sort of thing, even with, with students at school, I'm like, well, if Jesus was just an ordinary guy, how is it that he could fulfill over 300 predictions about him? Because a lot of these predictions, if, if he was just an ordinary guy, a lot of these predictions he had, would have had no control over. Just raise your hand if you had a control of the family you were born into. There's not a lot of hands. 
All right? So if Jesus was just an ordinary guy, he, he has no control over that. If, if he was an ordinary, we know he's not an ordinary guy, but let's just think for a moment, because that's where some people's beginning place is. They think, well, Jesus is just, just an ordinary guy. He's not the son of God, you know, but just an ordinary guy. Well, it was predicted that he would come down the line of David. How did he manage that? That's quite a question. It was also predicted where he would be born. Another show of hands, who predicted where they'd be born? Yeah, not, not too many. No one had control over where they were born. Um, and, and there's more. There's, there's a whole heap of things like that. Like the, the manner in which people treated him. Um, there was, you know, the manner in which he died. You know, you, you could probably think that he might have orchestrated certain things if he was to be a manipulative kind of character, which we know he's not. But again, if you're speaking to someone who thinks Jesus is just a guy, we've, we've got a few problems here with these predictions that existed for centuries before Jesus was even born. And so that I find quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. Um, born in Bethlehem, the fact that Mary was a virgin. He was born to a virgin. Like I, I won't ask for a show of hands there because I'm pretty sure none of us here were in that category. So this, it's actually quite good to study and look into if you are ever wanting to talk about the importance of prophecy when it comes to Jesus and how he managed to fulfill all those things because obviously we know Jesus is not just an ordinary guy. But I want to talk about this particular, particular fulfillment of prophecy because this one, I believe Jesus was fully intentional about this is not just an accident that afterwards we went, oh, well, we just ticked off a prophecy. No, he knew he was acting this one out. He actually knew it. And so this was Jesus presenting himself, you know, and different to the other times in the Gospels where he says things like, my time has not yet come. This is Jesus symbolically saying, my time has come. This is why I'm here. And he's actually entering into Jerusalem very deliberately, very clear demonstration of himself as the king of Israel. If you go back and, and look at that verse in Zechariah, it's saying, see your king comes to you. So this is Jesus he, he, asking his disciples, he's getting them to set this up. Go in and grab a donkey. If anyone asks, say, I need it. And I'm going to use it. This is very intentional fulfilling of prophecy. And that's totally Okay. All right, so everything I said before about, you know, the things he couldn't control if he was just a man, well, we know he was not just a man, but this one is deliberate fulfillment of prophecy, demonstrating himself as the king of Israel, the Messiah. So that is the fulfillment of prophecy. The next thing I want to talk about is the significance of the donkey. And we heard a little bit as Christian was praying before, but both Jesus and the Old Testament chose a very specific animal for this task. So this, when Zechariah wrote, when he was writing, it was, it was deliberate. And then throughout the Old Testament, there are other examples of people riding donkeys. But the donkey here is actually a symbol of humility and gentleness. I don't know if you think about that, if you're looking at a donkey. Donkeys are known to be stubborn. Um, but symbolically... It was humility and gentleness. 
There's a quote here from a guy called Mark Boda. It says, in the ancient Middle Eastern world, leaders rode horses if they rode to war. But if they rode donkeys, they were coming in peace. And so we've got to understand this atmosphere in Jerusalem, this, this yearning and waiting for the coming Messiah. You know, the nation of Israel believing that they'll be rescued from oppression. They're probably expecting a, a bit of action, all right? And they probably were hoping, despite the fact it was written in their texts, that the king would come on a donkey. They were probably hoping that he was going to arrive with a, the full deal. The, the military, golden chariot, big strong horses. They probably like, if this guy's our king, this is what's going to happen. You know, you know, ignoring Zechariah, obviously. And what happens? Jesus rocks up on a donkey. All right. His mission was completely different. I've got another quote here by someone called J.R. Miller. This was an announcement of the character of his kingdom. The character of his kingdom. If it had been an earthly royalty that he was proclaiming, he would have come riding in a war chariot. The donkey suggested lowliness and peace. He was the king of love, not of strife. He came to fill the world with blessing, not with carnage. And this was the moment. This was the moment that that began. It's interesting, if you go back to Zechariah, and I do have the following slide there, Neil. The next verse actually speaks into that. Now, Matthew's gospel doesn't include this verse, but that's okay because the entire passage is still prophetic. But it actually says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim. So that's, that's the war chariots. And the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. So if you go back and look at the rest of that prophecy, this is all about peace. It's all about peace. In case you didn't know, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's who he is. I think sometimes some people, no one I know personally, they get that a little bit confused. You know, well, Jesus is going to come and smash, you know, our enemies. That's, well, I, I don't see that. I don't see that in the Gospels. When in the very announcement of his birth, the angels said in Luke 2.14, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. At the announcement of his birth. We, obviously, we've got predictions going way back, centuries before he was born. And then the announcement of worldwide peace, on earth peace. I don't think it's sectioned off and into this little bit here we'll have peace. No, this is the announcement that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is instituting a chain reaction of events that will result in peace. Who knows we're not there yet. But that's the idea. That's where we're heading. That's, that's, that's the goal. Even on the day of his resurrection, 
What did Jesus say to people? Peace to you. Peace to you. The Prince of Peace. So much going on here in this this passage. So that is the second thing. So the first thing was the fulfillment of prophecy. The second thing was the significance of the donkey. I'd like to talk about the crowd for a little bit and the crowd's response to Jesus. Because, you know, I read this and it looks like they're having a great time. You know, who's ever seen, like, they did a Bible series on TV a few years ago. It was really brilliantly made. And they show scenes of what this would have looked like. And it was just like this massive parade procession and, you know, people are loving it. All right, And I think they truly were loving it as, you, as we read it. So what are they saying? They're saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Does anyone know what the word Hosanna means? We sing it sometimes. It means save. It comes from the word that means save. It means or bring the victory. Save us, Lord. That's kind of what they're crying out. So as Jesus is riding through the city, they are crying out to him to save them. And they're, they're kind of quoting Psalm 118, which our English translation in the NIV says, Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. So clearly, in this particular moment, they are recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. Which I find quite interesting. Because we know that Jesus probably had a bit of a difficult time with some people leading up to that moment. But on this particular day, they are heralding him as the king. Maybe they had high expectations. Well, he's going to deliver us. I don't know what the donkey is all about. We're not sure. But here we are. They are crying out to him, Lord, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're waving their palm branches. They're putting their cloaks on the ground, which was something that is, there's a verse in Kings somewhere of that happening for someone else. They were having a real fan moment. They were fanning for Jesus. They were loving it. All right. What happened a few days later? The same crowd were yelling out something else. They were yelling out, crucify him. It changed gears very, very quickly in a matter of days. I wonder what Jesus was thinking as he rode into Jerusalem. I, I believe Jesus is God and God is outside of time. God knows the beginning from the end. So I believe Jesus would have known where things were heading. And I suspect that he would have felt that it was sincere reverence and adoration that he was receiving in the moment. But I think he also would have known it was temporary. He would have known that. A few short days later, the same crowd are yelling out to crucify him. You could say the crowd went with the crowd. They followed what was, what was happening in the moment. So as the whole crucifixion was being prepared for, they are yelling out, crucify him. Moving with what's popular. That's a bit, a bit sobering really to think about. 
that we could be in the moment and all for the cause one moment. And then within a matter of days, we could be swing completely the opposite. Very sobering. We don't know what, what else took place other than, you know, there was probably people like, like Pilate and other players in that whole lead up to the crucifixion. But something swung that crowd from he's our guy to crucify him. And again, I'm not, I'm not removing their sincerity in the moment. I believe they probably were quite sincere, but they switched gears. And that's, that's quite alarming. Quite alarming. My last point that I'd like to draw out of this, it's the donkey again. I want to talk about the donkey again. So before it was the symbolic significance of the donkey. But now we're going to just talk about physically what we're talking about here. It's a donkey. All right? A donkey. Consider that for just a moment. We use the word donkey as an insult. We probably don't, I don't hear it that often these days, but, you know, I used to hear it. Not a lot directed at me, but, you know, but we would say things like, you know, if you, if you muck up the voting in an election, people would call it a what vote? Donkey vote. We all know that. You know, and there's, you know, it's this kind of embarrassing animal, all right? No disrespect to anyone who happens to love donkeys, but, um, but you know, it certainly is a, a term used often derogatively. And so, and, and I think more in overseas, it might be used a bit more regularly as, as an insult. But more than just being this lowly of animals, Mark and Luke, in their Gospels, they mentioned that the donkey Jesus called for had never been ridden. All right, so as well as being this insult that we would call someone if we felt that they were useless, this particular donkey had never been ridden. Just think about that for a moment. So I just, I want you to imagine that you are the donkey. And that might be difficult, but um, just for a moment, imagine that that, that is you. Okay? You are the donkey. You're probably not treated very nicely. Never been ridden. You might consider yourself useless. You've done nothing important. Nothing. But on this particular day, the Lord needs you. The Lord needs you. And he needs you for a specific purpose. He wants you to carry him as the king. I'm just going to put this out. These are my own thoughts. It's probably the best day of the donkey's life. It's like, yeah. I get to do this. You other donkeys don't. This is what I'm doing. You're going to be like, all right, here we are. Just think about it for a moment. It's pretty special. Prior to that moment, I'm useless. I have no purpose. But now, look at me, guys. I'm carrying the king. May this be an encouragement to you. 
Don't ever feel like you are insignificant. Because we know it theologically. We'd probably tell our friends that. Oh, you're not insignificant. We would know that fully. No one saw that, did they? It was just very subtle. Just reminded me of a very funny story where I was playing keyboard at a Catholic Mass and Father Rob saw me across. He was behind the altar, a very serious moment, and he looked at me and went... And in that moment, I wanted to wave back at him. (laughs) I didn't. But I told him I was thinking about it, and he said, if you had done that... I would have lost it. So then I really regretted that I didn't. <laughs> Just anyway. So if you're ever feeling like you are insignificant, as I was saying, we theologically know, we know in our minds that we have purpose. I'd be very surprised if there's anyone in this room that doesn't believe that in their brain. All right? We have purpose. We have purpose. Even if you don't know Jesus, you have purpose. Each human being on the planet has purpose. And we know this because sometimes we might be talking to someone who's feeling down and we'd lift them up with encouraging words. But how do we... How many people know that often they're hard to tell ourselves sometimes if we are feeling insignificant? It can be hard to believe it for yourself, but you know it's true. You have purpose. And the Lord has something for you specifically to do. He has plans for you. It's our job on earth to find out what those plans are. But while we're doing that, I want to tell all of you, if, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you already carry the King. You already do. You carry the King. You might feel like you're a donkey, but you carry Him. Everywhere you go, you carry His presence everywhere you go. Stop thinking that you're insignificant. You have great purpose. You have the King of Kings inside you. And He has plans and purposes for you. So, I'm going to say a prayer. Can I invite you all to stand, please? as we're about to enter this week we refer to as Holy Week the week where we remember your passion Jesus we think of what we've learned through this story of of you riding the donkey into Jerusalem we think of the significance 
of this fulfillment of prophecy, that this is you presenting yourself as the king. We think that of the significance of, of you coming in peace. You are the prince of peace. We just receive that reminder that that is who you are, that you are not a God of strife. You're a God of peace. We think too, God, of how easily crowds can be swayed. So we just fix our eyes on you this morning. And I just pray that as a people, we would not be swayed by whatever's happening in the moment. It would keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on you. But I also pray for each person here and for anyone feeling like they have no purpose, for anyone feeling like they are insignificant. And I just speak these words, you have purpose. God has called you. He's called you to do His work. And He's called you to do things that are maybe different to what other people do. He's called you to do unique things that only you can do. If Jesus needed an animal like a donkey, imagine that He needs you to fulfill very specific tasks. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, I just invite you to come up the front. I'd love to introduce you to him. But if you are also someone who's experiencing feelings of a lack of self-worth or a lack of significance, then please come forward. We'd love to pray for you and so that you would know that Jesus has called you for absolute significance. So we're going to close the service. The front area is open. If you want prayer, please come forward. If you want prayer for healing, please do that. Otherwise, we have tea and coffee in the foyer. Have a great week. We'll see you here on Thursday night for Holy Thursday's worship and communion service where we will be remembering the Lord's Supper together as a church. Thanks, people. Have a great week. See you later.